The Storytime Podcast is brought to you by Shoreline Publishing Group, Australia's best independent publishing agency or independent authors. Podfire.com.au, the best goddamn podcast platform on the planet. Shoreline Publishing is proud to announce the release of Ian Belshaw's novel, Wood for the Trees. A tale of two conflicted and passionate men told as a timeless tribute to the great Australian country, people and recent history of a glorified past. The story of a man named Luke, inspired by the tales of his youth, decides to become a modern-day bushranger. Luke wakes, uh, makes awkward steps into his new vocation with a blend of contemporary crime methods and some old-fashioned sensibilities. He gains a deeper appreciation for the challenges faced by the bushrangers of yore his crimes adopt an unexpected darker tone, he now faces a path heading in one direction. Stephen Owens, an experienced police officer who spearheads the hunt for the modern-day bushranger, as the case progresses, concern for the future of his own teenage children and their possible choices in life becomes an unexpected concern. Luke, alone in the vast Australian outback, pursued by the experienced lawman of conviction and at the mercy of his own unravelling mind loses perspective on what he has done. Yet he knows consequence is to become his legacy, just like the bandits of the outback before him. Owen hunts Luke across the red earth and wilderness of the bush to confront the lone man amidst his dangerous delusion. The law prevails as Owen's arrest as Owen arrests Luke, yet like the mythological idols of the outback before him, Luke knows that criminals can make a last stand and bring a lawman down or to their death. Wow. This is Ian's first novel-length book, having written short stories and lots of poetry, but none of it previously published. Ian is two-thirds of the way through a memoir, a journey into the world of musical discovery in days before the internet. He's also started another fiction that is again set in Australia, but is much more in its infancy. Ian Belshaw, welcome to Storytime. How are you, buddy? Well, thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. Hopefully that wasn't a too long-winded uh, introduction. <laughs> it sounds really interesting, though. I'm like, I'm a big fan of sort of Ned Kelly and all those types of books. And so this is a modern-day version, is it? It is, yeah. So the idea sort of struck me that it would be an interesting comparison between the way things are today and the way things used to be. Um, and what if a bloke got in his head that he might try to do what they did back then? How would it pan out? Wow. And, and what, what brought you that? Is that something you want to do personally or <laughs> what, what, what brought that into your head? Uh, I've, always been, I've always been fascinated with Australian history and, and bushrangers and all that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, and it's just a, a, a seed just planted in my in my brain that this could be something I could pursue. And yeah, I was very much interested in the country it was based in and and all the the history to it. So yeah, it just went from there. And have you been to a lot of these places you talk about in the book, or is it all fictional? I have. So a lot of it's based in New South Wales. I'm from Sydney originally, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of it was sort of my my backyard in some ways yeah. um, and then down in Victoria and the Kelly country, that sort of sort of thing. So yeah, familiarity, not that I've lived in those places, but definitely areas I've, I've gone through and you know, been interested in over the years. And so where are you, where are you from and um, how's the current world affecting you at the moment? So I'm living in Melbourne at the moment. Uh, not a good place to be at the moment, buddy. <laughs> could think of better places. Yeah. I've been, yeah, been in lockdown. I've, I've I have a full-time job, so I'm working from home. I'd be fortunate to keep my job. That's excellent. Uh, and how, how long have you been in lockdown? 
Been in lockdown more or less since March. Okay. Uh, although it's really since July that it's been more of a hard lockdown, not being able to go out anywhere really. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, stuck at home, getting very familiar with with all the furniture in the house and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and do you find that you think a lot more when you're, when you're at home and sort of, um, even though you're not writing much at the moment, do you find that lots more stories pop into your head? Not as much as you'd think. I think your, okay. thought, your thoughts get quite blurred. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot, especially uh, working and, and living at home, everything's sort of on a similar level. So it's difficult to, when you're, you're doing other things outside, you come home and your home is sort of a, a place where you, you've got your mental thought or whatever and you you think of things there. When you're at home, it's just, it can be hard sometimes to uh, to get that separation. And you can understand why a lot of people are going crazy. Um, we've sort of been stuck between four walls and not having any any outlet at all because, as you say, the sort of more stuff you see, the more your, your brain works, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had my moments. Um, I'm getting through fairly well. But, yep. uh, yeah, yeah, day after day is very, very similar. Um, you don't have that outlet and you don't get the chance to, to reset by yeah. going out and seeing friends or doing something. And then you come back and you can sort of start again. And you sort of, yeah, don't get a, that much of a break. So well, hopefully it'll all be over soon. Um, from what we hear, there, there, there's slight liftings of, of restrictions and things happening slowly. Uh, so hopefully we can uh, we can sort of write this year off. Yeah, I'd say so. And that said, you know, there's still things you can kind of do behind the scenes, whether it's you know, something creative or things you can do with your own life to try to to, to progress uh, during these difficult times. No, definitely, mate. But one of the things you have done, and that is, you are now a published author. That's a bit exciting. Yeah, it's crazy. Not something I particularly expected, to be honest, until yeah. a few years ago. So what made you become an author? So I've, my history, I've played in bands for years. So mm-hmm. I've sort of played in rock bands, uh, sort of on a fairly underground level, releasing albums, writing songs, uh, not making any money out of it, <laughs> uh, but, but writing lyrics and, and all that sort of thing. So yeah. I always wrote uh, sort of more, more from a poetic side of things. So storytelling type stuff, yeah? Yeah, definitely an element to that. And there were bands I, I played in where there, there were lyrics that were based on Australian history as well, mm-hmm. whether it's Bush Ranger, Eureka Stockade kind of stories, yeah. uh, First Fleet, all those sorts of things. So there was an interest there. And then at one point I decided, well, I write words that rhyme. Maybe I can have a crack at writing some words that don't rhyme and see if they make sense <laughs> as well. And you obviously succeeded. I, I guess so. Yeah, I suppose it'll be up to the. Oh, you're the a reader. published author. Well, it's just uh, you've succeeded. You've got a book. That's very exciting. It is. Yeah, that's true. And I, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'd sort of. It was interesting. Once I started, um, it kind of just kept going, and I enjoyed it. And next thing I knew, I'd I'd, I'd finished the book. And what did everyone say when you uh, when you've turned around in the end and said, "Hey, look, I've got a book." A bit of surprise. Yep. Um, but I've got to say, all my, my friends and family, they're all. They're very supportive. They're, yeah, I think it's, it's something that people think of doing, but they they often they don't do it for whatever reason. And so, hundred oh, percent, yeah, they see someone they know who's uh, who's completed a, a task like this, and wow, okay, good on you. And it is a big task too, mate. I know my, my first book was published last year, and the the next one was supposed to be this year, but it sort of just dragged on a lot longer than I wanted it to. But the fact that when you actually physically hold that first copy in your hand and you sit there and go, wow, this is mine. I I did this. I produced. It's a pretty special feeling. 
Yeah, I haven't got there yet, so I, I don't have the book in front of me. It'll uh, be there very, very soon. I'm looking at a picture of it on the website. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> just a matter of time. Mate, you'll love that when it happens. So why this particular book? Why why this particular story itself? Obviously, you love the bush rangers and you love the Australian history, but why this one? Yeah, as I mentioned, it was sort of an idea that came to me. And when I, I sort of stumbled on this idea of a modern-day bush ranger, it, it seemed like something would there's a bit to work with and yeah. it's not something I was aware of, of having been done before. Um, so it felt like, yeah, it was, it was pretty fertile territory. I could really get stuck in and, and perhaps create something that people would be interesting, interested in that hasn't been done a million times previously. And is it something you think could later on be made into a TV series or a movie or something like that? Is that, is that the aim in the end? It wasn't necessarily the aim, but it's, it's very, it is quite visual and it's yeah. sort of story I think could it would easily translate uh, to that sort of format. Excellent. Stop, 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 stop the podcast. Let's listen to an extract from page 97. It was as if through performances of social submission he hoped to achieve atonement. Feeling fat as a Christmas turkey and twice as stuffed, he returned to his car, idled for a minute and then eased into the sparse flow of local traffic. He loved these country towns with their innocence and time-trapped honesty. He wondered why he'd ever craved the spotlight when to slip in and out of town unnoticed now seemed the height of desirability. Do nothing to draw attention and you'll invariably hanker for it. Feel the light shine on unsavoury deeds and you'll flog off your soul to avoid it. With that in mind, he drove on, seeking the embrace of another secluded country town. Sneaking up on the state border, he tried the radio again and found distraction instead of exasperation. The news of the world seemed so trivial. A man who had retired from society's throw found its beliefs incongruous, its ambitions immoral. The scandals that enraptured others were of no consequence to him. It was purely for the metronomic patter of the newsreader's delivery that he continued to listen. It was a fitting soundtrack to the clockwork rhythms of the road and the monotony of passing scenery. Farmland sprawled, undulating grey and green-tinged in pursuit of coming spring. Sheep and cattle dotted the hills with the sole intent of nourishment, marbling rich through their fattening bellies. Fences taut and fences loose strung endless chains of demarcation, and a feeble sun barely reached the earth, this quiltwork of pastures with a swathe of bitumen down the middle, from one breached horizon to the next. After bridging the Murray, he swung to the left. He felt as though he'd made an escape, as a complacent exile from a land that was never his own. He wasn't stupid enough to think the Victorian police wouldn't speak to their neighbours and mobilise against him, but there was more chance of breathing space down here. That's all he wanted, to gather his thoughts and vanish for a while, like Flash Johnny Gilbert in Pixie-like Flight. That's go. awesome. I'll tell you what, it's really, you can actually visualise that. And you, you said it's a very visual book. That's amazing. One of my other, one of my favourite authors is an author named Robert G. Barrett, and he had a, the Les Norton series, yeah, very, yeah, very Australian. Yes. And the, the way that he wrote was very, very visual, and they made TV series after it in the end. But, but you can actually see the guy driving down the road. You can see where he's, where he's going and all that sort of stuff. So well written, well done. Thanks, that. Cheers. I, I, I actually really want to read it now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. That's excellent news. That's the intention. <laughs> so what inspires you each day? 
each day. In yourself, what inspires you every day? That's a tough one, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I guess just uh, trying to improve as a person, trying to be trying to be a decent person, trying to accomplish things and move forward. Uh, yeah, probably not something I analyse all that much. but yeah. <laughs> It's funny, isn't it, when people ask you questions about you personally, and that, the thing I, I really like to do with authors is is understand them, right? And you obviously have a full-time job. This is not – authoring is not your only your only job, and you go to that every day, and you've obviously been locked up for a long while, in, and that and it's really it's really interesting to find out who the actual author is. Um when when you read when you when you read your book, you get really passionate about it, and it's like you're living in it. And so, if I had to ask you, and you had to pick one, you can't say neither. Are you mm. Stephen or are you Luke? I'd say I'm Luke. Yeah. Of the two, yeah, they're both flawed characters, so I wouldn't like hitch myself to either of them too much. But more Luke than Stephen. So, and can you visualise that when you're writing it through each each of the the two eyes? That's right. And so the two protagonists in the book are they're both male um and then it probably was easier both anglo-saxon males too as it happens so it probably was easier for me for my first book in particular to step into a a role that was a bit more closely aligned to to me as a person okay okay with with some differences as well yeah now of course of course what's your favorite part of the book uh I, i like particular sections or paragraphs of it there are, yeah. there are parts I, I sort of i focused a lot it's not necessarily literary fiction but there are parts where there's a lot of wordplay and they're i guess vivid descriptors and things like that so there there are paragraphs or particular sentences more than sections of it that i i really go to okay and um, where does that yeah. where does that come from is that your your background your history where where does that word play is that something you did at school or is that something that come to you later in life i've always been fascinated with words i've always said with the english language and from writing song lyrics and things like that i was always very conscious of of meter and conscious of rhymes and conscious of the way words sound together uh, and especially with how they sound when you speak them or when you sing them. So a lot of the way I write, I think, sort of comes from that. So I'm, yeah. I'm conscious of how words sound rather than just what they mean. And it's interesting because sometimes you read a book and you just read it in your head and it just happens. Others you read in your head and you actually want to read out loud, even though you're not reading it out loud, that whole visual piece. And that, that's what I got out of what you've just read us there. It was, it was, uh, it was amazing, actually. I really like that. Well done. Yeah, um, thanks. The, the cover of your book, I'm looking at the cover on your book now, and I know you don't have the physical book yet, um, is where where'd that come from? How did that come about? So the cover was created by Shoreline Publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, di- I didn't go to them with a specific cover. I gave them some ideas, um, yep. left it to them, to, to their imagination. Um, but there was an idea that it would have some reflection of the title, uh, which is a pretty what basic way to do it. Yeah. So there are trees there. <laughs> and where did that title come from? It was partly because a lot of it is based in Australian bushland, so there is there are a lot of trees involved. Yeah. Um, so it made sense. Also, just as a you know, as a as a saying, I suppose. I uh, love the wordplay as well. That's very yeah. Cool. The idea was both characters you find as you go through the book they they struggle to see some of the nuances and subtleties of life because they're too focused on something else. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, with Luke, he, he gets obsessed with this idea of being becoming a bush ranger, and he sort of neglects a few other things as well. Um, and the the police officer uh, Stephen is it, similar. They they both have their blindnesses, I guess, to to things in their lives. It's interesting that you've got two characters that are completely different but so alike as well. Yeah, and that, that's, that's right. And that's, that's, that's real life. It, well, that's exactly right, and that was part of the idea. Uh, yeah. Even though yeah, they're on different different sides, and all of us, so we have similarities, we all have our failings, we all have our issues to deal with. So it was sort of trying to highlight, you know, there are no absolute heroes who are, are perfect. Everyone's yep. got problems, and we're all trying to get through them somehow. No, indeed, mate, indeed. So when you wrote the book, did you have a structure or did you just sit down? Like, did, did you map it out and go, well, here's the story? Or did you sort of uh, just sit there and just start to write and then make it up as you go along? Pretty much started as a short story in mm-hmm. intention and it's kept going. But it was really written chronologically. So occasionally I'd get an idea down the track. Yep. But a lot of it really just unfolded as I, as I was as writing. You went. Yeah, and it was part of the, the thrill, actually. Yeah, because you know you don't actually know what's going to happen next. That's pretty cool. That's right, and I was, I was sort of going on for the ride, like the readers will be. That's uh, that, that's pretty awesome. So, would you recommend people becoming an author? Absolutely, yeah. If nothing else, just for the the satisfaction you get from 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 doing it, I suppose it just yeah, you you probably you'd be the same. Yeah, you know, just feeling as though you can accomplish something like that. It's not not something you do in a matter of hours. It's actually a, a bit of a long term process and going yep. through it you actually you get a whole lot out of it and how long did that whole process uh take you it was probably about six months i think from from start to finish so it didn't take a whole it didn't take that long i expect in the future anything will take longer yeah and and when what made you decide to sort of go down that independent publishing route how did you find that whole process so i did i sent it out to larger publishers as well mm-hmm. uh, in full awareness that they get flooded with uh, yeah, applications, it's 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 a difficult difficult path. Uh, I don't have much of a history in term, well, I don't have a, a history at all in terms of publication or awards. Um, so Shoreline popped up actually. I'm a member of Writers Victoria. Okay. And Shoreline advertised through Writers Victoria, so I reached out to them thanks to that advertising. Yeah. And uh, next thing I know, uh, Bradley was on the phone and. We were sorting out some arrangements. And mate, what a great human being he is, isn't he? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to meet the bloke yet. Have it's you met him online? Online, only yeah, a me too. Of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, he's um, made some of the stuff that they uh, that they do, and just the service they give you, and all that sort of stuff. I've found has been outstanding. Yeah, that's that's great. I'm I'm really at the start of it in some ways in terms yeah. of you know, the promotional aspect. Um, but, yeah, they've, they've been great so far. I'm looking forward to, to seeing where it all takes me. What's next for Ian then? So the memoir you spoke of, I've pretty much finished that. I'd need to go through, give it a thorough edit. Uh, but that's pretty much been completed. So that was Talk a, me was through a, that. What's that about? So that's a bit of a hobby of mine. So I'm in my early 40s now, uh, grew up, you know, Started getting music was always a big thing in my life, and I started yep. getting into music in the the late mid to late eighties, and then through the nineties. Back when there was no internet, uh, I didn't have any money really to spend on records or CDs or tapes or anything like that. So it was all about finding out about music through community radio stations, uh, oh, wow. and fanzines, um, all these sorts of sorts of things that slowly. 
uh, unveiled and, and sort of let me in. And so there was this thriving scene, this underground scene where you could find music. Everyone was sort of in it together. Everyone did something, whether it was playing music or writing a fanzine, running a record label. Uh, it, was, it was a very, I guess, a pure way to, to find music rather than the internet where everything's available. You had to hunt things down and, and when you actually got them, you really, you really appreciated it. Anyway, that were the good old days where you actually got to see live music as well. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that too, that too. But, yeah, it was, again, it was something I found, I feel is pretty interesting that I've lived through that uh, I don't know, a, lot of, a lot of us did. Uh, but these days it's just not the same anymore. Everything's just there available at your fingertips. Yeah, internet, great. Which is good in some ways, but in other ways it, it probably dulls some of the sensation that, that we got in the past. Mate, one of the things I used to love is the B-side. Like you, you get you get an album and you, then you listen to the B-side, wow, like, yeah. like that was something that no one will ever see again because like everything's just released now, whereas to actually flick the record over or the tape over and go, oh, geez, what's that song? Like, yeah, and uh, yeah. there's some really, some of my favourite songs ever are B-sides of albums. That's right. And even just, just looking at the physical product and you can see who recorded it, who did what, and yeah. maybe a thanks list or something. You could see other other bands to check out. There was, Yeah, there was a lot more that you actually get from the product than now where you're right, it just gets, you put a song up on Spotify or whatever and it's just there and that's your release. And anyone can do it now. Whereas back then it was a process, wasn't it? It was all about the process and then who you knew and then what, and, and the explosion of it that come out. Exactly, yeah, a lot more sweat and blood involved. Indeed. So what's that What's that going to be called? Do we know yet? Uh, Return My Stamps is the name of Return that one. Return My Stamps, I like it. Yeah, so the idea of that one is that sort of, I used to do a lot of tape trading with people overseas. So you, oh, okay. you, you had your products and, and they had theirs and you, you, you copy them. But people overseas especially, uh, they'd, the mantra was always at the bottom of their letters, return my stamps, because they'd, re- they'd reuse them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much for spending time with me today on Storytime. I know this is your first podcast. You did great. And, mate, loved hearing the uh, the part of your book. Do we know when it's actually going to be released yet? Do we have a date? Uh, it'll be later this month. I'm not sure the exact date, but October, definitely. In October 2020. That's so, so exciting. Well, I hope everyone goes out and buys Ian Belshaw's novel, Wood for the Trees, and thank you so much mate I really appreciate your time and thanks from story time thanks Brett really appreciate it excellent cheers buddy thanks for listening to story time I'm your host Brett McCallum and we say a special thank you to our sponsors Shoreline Publishing and podfire.com.au